0: Kia ora
1: and welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley. It's a hard fact to take on board, but New Zealand has one of the highest reported rates of domestic violence in the developed world. And the government's trying to do something about it with more money and tougher, specific laws to try to make violence in families less prevalent. Kim Griggs has been asking, will this make a difference? And a warning, some of this content is graphic and distressing. It can take just 10 seconds to lose consciousness. At 15
2: seconds, you can lose control of your bladder. You can be dead within two minutes. The timeline of strangulation an offence so closely linked to domestic violence that if someone has put their hands around your neck and squeezed, you are seven times more likely to go on to die as a result of further violence from your abuser. This survivor of strangulation has no idea why she was attacked.
3: I don't even know why, how he became so angry, but he became, um, he would get into these rages where he would just, there was no escaping it. He was just, um, would go after me. Um, And this one occasion, he actually spat in my face as well, but he pushed me down onto the ground and kind of lay on top of me with his hands around my throat and looked me in my eyes, and I, as he strangled me, and I couldn't. Talk, I couldn't scream, I couldn't make any noise. It was, um, you just, you just, you got no choice but to succumb to it. It's horrific and personal. Since strangulation became a
2: separate offence last December, there have been nearly 1,300 charges of strangulation laid. That's roughly 140 a month, 33 a week, five a day. And 97% of those who've been charged are men. The violence at the hands of people we should be able to trust the most has many forms. This woman thought her husband would kill her.
4: I had gone out to check the mail one night. It was about 7 o'clock in the evening and it was quite dark and I had gone out to check the mail. He saw me and I don't know what he was thinking. I think he was maybe thinking that I was taking off somewhere or um, or I was someone else, I don't know. But all I felt was this uh, person jump on me And I remember crashing to the ground in our driveway. It was dark, um, and thank goodness the children were inside. They didn't see anything at all. Um, And I remember, and I came crashing down. He was about, he's about 120 kgs, and I'm about 50 kgs. Um, And I remember crashing onto the concrete and thinking to myself, this is it, I'm dead. Domestic abuse or family harm, as it is also
2: called, is not always physical, this woman left her marriage after years of psychological abuse from her husband.
5: If you've been told that you, you know, aren't allowed to use the car, or you know, those sorts of things are restricted, so they could come and, you know, come home and and check to see how much fuel you've used. Um, and so it's a lot of just, I guess, you're yeah, quite weird, weird behaviour. Um, it might be things of, you know, restricting your phone use or, you know, going, going through your phone or just not being able to make your own decisions. And then it can also lead to the fact that, you know, you start feeling as though you're not capable of, of even making decisions. And so you, people can become, you become really dependent on, on your partner, um, and in a a really unhealthy way. I mean, I think it's the whole thing, healthy relationships, you know, you are dependent on each other. You, you, you know, you want to be. That's, that, that's normal. But it, there should be this shared you know, flow through times. And I think for a lot of abusive relationships, there's just not that flow. It, it's very much um, one way. A raft of changes to
2: laws aimed at tackling New Zealand's shocking level of domestic abuse were brought in last December and this July. As well, there's been a huge investment of money and a new government agency to oversee the work the government does the new laws include a toughening up of the definition of family violence. The MP, who has shepherded many of the changes into
0: law, Jan Logie, explains. It's not just getting the bash on a one-off random incident. It's actually this whole pattern of different forms of coercion and control that seek to trap typically women in these relationships. Last year, police
2: were called to deal with family violence every four minutes. They then spend, on average, nearly an hour and a half dealing with what's been going on.
6: The um, reality for us is that in about 25 to 30 per cent of the episodes that we attend, we find a family violence offence has occurred, but in 100 per cent of the um, episodes that we attend, we find that there's harm. That's Acting Superintendent
2: Bronwyn Marshall. She leads the Safer Fano Unit for the Police, the section responsible for dealing with and trying to change New Zealand's shameful statistics. Part of that drive is to bring these offences out into the open so they can be dealt with rather than hidden away. That involves even changing the words used to describe the abuse.
6: Moving it away from the term domestic, which infers that it's some sort of a private thing that's going on. I think that's um, it's great that we've moved it away from that. Um, into family violence so it's actually declaring what is actually going on and I think that distinction is really important for New Zealand because for us with the prevalence of um, family violence sexual assault in New Zealand it's like this dirty little secret that we've got and I think all New Zealanders need to really wake up and think about how can they help how can they help because the first person a victim goes to is friends and family They don't come to police. They don't go to um, specialist family violence agencies. They go to people that they can trust, which tends to be friends and family. I say that acknowledging that we had 132,978 reports or episodes of family harm last year reported to police. So the size of the problem in New Zealand is frightening. And we all collectively need to get on board... And think about what can I do to help? If I know something is happening with a friend or with a family member, what can I do to help them? Because unless we all start turning our minds to this, we are not going to be able to change the behaviours that we have got going on in this country. We need to do something different and we need to do it collectively.
2: One in three women worldwide will experience physical or sexual abuse from the people closest to them. Katja Iverson is the director of Women Deliver, which runs the world's biggest gender equality conference. It was held this year in Vancouver and attracted a who's who in women's rights. Thank
5: you Katja. Hello everyone. Bonjour. Bonjour tout le monde. Welcome to Vancouver.
2: What Katja Iverson, who advises the G7 on gender issues, says a lack of violence should be fundamental to living your life to your full potential.
5: Gender-based violence is
3: one of the issues and problems that cross-cut income, uh, social status, geographies, hierarchies, uh, and it's prevalent in every society. Societies where women's status are more equal also have less violence. It has not eliminated it, but it,
2: it can decrease it. To date, just a few of the strangulation charges have reached court but police have had specific training to identify such attacks. That guidance has come mainly from an American organisation, the Training Institute on Strangulation Prevention, that provides training to law enforcement agencies around the world on how to identify the crime. It's based in San Diego and now has a sister organisation in Brisbane. Inspector Fiona Roberts is the Manager of Family Harm for the New Zealand Police and has been leading the training on strangulation. She says understanding what the aftermath of strangulation looks like is crucial. The symptoms of having
7: been strangled appears often like you're intoxicated. So even the victim's ability to um, construct a sentence or be able to convey what has happened to them immediately is not something, it's, it's very difficult.
2: This survivor says for her strangulation, no matter for how long, tops the hierarchy
3: of domestic abuse. Two seconds is too long, Um, and also you're at a massive risk of brain injury as well. So, um, yeah, horrific. On the same night, he actually took my glasses and crushed them as well. So that was another, um, something he took away from me as well, taking my ability to see properly away. So it was just every, um, yeah, but the strangulation's probably... Yeah, it's pretty... I could happily take punches around the head. Not happily, but I would, you know, comparatively. But strangulation's terrifying. And leaves a big bruised ring around your neck too. So I probably had to wear a scarf or a scabby or something for days afterwards. So, yeah.
2: The concept that women should be able to live lives free from violence has become a global goal, not just a focus in New Zealand. Calliope Mingaru heads the Ending Violence Against Women section at the UN. It's her job to help spread the message of the best
8: way to stamp out domestic violence. Violence against women, intimate partner violence, it's such a normalised phenomenon in our society. And the moment we get and analyse the root causes of such violence, we do understand why this still remains so prevalent. Having an analysis is very, very important because that gives also the right responses that they need to be in place in order to end violence against women and girls, such as domestic violence. It's very normalized. It's accepted that women and girls in their communities, at homes, they have um, a very specific status within their families and so um, they are almost of an inferior status, and they are often very negative gender norms and roles within the family and within the the
2: communities. Another signal of just how much is changing in the laws around domestic abuse here is the fact there is now a specific offence of assaulting a family member. In the past, the police had to use common assault or male assaults female charges. The new laws also broaden what is considered abuse, so hurting a family pet, withholding medicine or dowry abuse are now also family harm. For some women, the torment can be complex and wide-ranging. I came home one
4: time and he had literally cut every cord um, to every appliance in the house, um, including my daughter's iPad cord. Um, phone chargers, vacuum cleaner, toaster, fridge, freezer—you um, know, things like that. One time, I came home and he had um, ransacked our house, made it out like someone had broken into the house. But looking back now, I thought, you know, he was trying to make me think like I was crazy. Or I'd put my phone down, and um, I'd turn around, and my phone wasn't there. And uh, and I remembered people saying, "You're forever losing your phone," and I kind of thought, "I am forever losing my phone." Well, he had. Taken the phone, every time he'd take the phone, but I think he was checking and just trying to take away, I guess, power and leaving me
2: powerless. The new laws also double from five to ten days, the maximum duration of police safety orders. These are the orders that give the police the power to take immediate action to protect people at risk of family harm. There are also clear expectations of how frontline officers should respond. Something this survivor says would have helped her when she was
3: being abused in front of her child. I don't know what made me call the police that day, because there've been you know hundreds of other times we had belted me and I hadn't called the police. But that day, I think maybe because she was on my lap, um, I rang the police and the police came down around. And they were awful. They were they were pretty horrific. They're not like that anymore, and I would hate to think if they were. Um, They would have seen he on his police on his criminal history that he had a history of violence. It would have been quite easy, reading his history, to accept what I'd stated was the truth. Um, But for some reason they didn't. They they didn't. I don't think they believed me. It was really bizarre. For this survivor, just one kind,
2: conscientious police officer made all the difference.
4: He was still loitering, and he was still causing trouble making trouble trying to get in contact with us so I got in contact with the police and I was sent a really really lovely female police officer and that was that was the first time I had ever felt like I had really been listened to um, I remembered her saying to me that she would follow it up now everyone had said that before would follow it up and to the point where I would have to be ringing the police to see how far have you got along have you caught up with them? and what's happened um, she was fantastic to the point where she had followed him up, um, to the point where she had found out other information. He had been loitering, but he had also been harassing other people. um, And in the end he had been arrested and he uh, was in Mount Eden. He was put into Mount Eden. And I just knew that she saw what I had seen and um, that I was taken seriously. I'm Kim Griggs, and you're
2: listening to an insight on the new laws that have been brought in to stop family violence escalating. Every day in Christchurch and Hamilton, representatives from government and community groups meet to discuss the 111 calls about family harm from the night before. Similar work is being done in Gisborne, counties Manukau, and Kaitaia, and all one million New Zealanders are covered by this new, intensive response to domestic violence. The changes to the laws have removed legal barriers to information sharing between agencies. Bronwyn Marshall from the police says that's crucial because sometimes it's not always obvious exactly what's going on.
6: Police had one report of family violence. There were um, 85 reports in ACC of a woman falling down the stairs but the mechanism of the injury didn't match the injury that had been described and when we went and spoke with her, because we have specialist services, victim, uh, victim advocates who go and speak to two victims, um, it was disclosed that there was just years of abuse. So, that so, so, sorry, this was the same woman? Yes. One police report? Yes. An 85
2: ACC? Yes,
6: because people experience two and a half years of violence on average before they'll actually tell anybody. Before they'll tell anybody. So it's massively episodic episodic harm occurs. I've seen other international research that said 21 separate episodes of violence will occur. It's, basically, it's telling us, doesn't matter whether those numbers are 100% correct, what it's telling us is that people put up with a lot of violence perpetrated against them before they actually reach out and tell anybody. Why is that? Because people are trapped. People are trapped. As well as
2: giving more powers to the police and those dealing with domestic violence at the front line, government departments are also being asked to work more closely together. The chief executives of ten government agencies, from police to ACC to Corrections to Oranga Tamariki to the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, meet monthly so there's a coordinated response to domestic violence at the highest level. Overseeing that work is Fiona Ross, who is the director
9: of the joint venture. We can see now the whole picture associated with family violence and sexual violence. So when you work just as a single agency, you're dealing with a slice of that system and those issues. You might be dealing with um, people who are in crisis situations. You might be dealing with people who have ended up in prison because of family violence or sexual violence and you're helping rehabilitation what we can see across all the agencies when we put it together is the whole cycle of what happens around violence and what that means from an intergenerational perspective as well. So it's a system perspective that we get to see as an overview. What that then helps you enable to do is you can start saying we need to invest earlier or later or at different parts of the process because we can see where we're putting that money, resources and effort in across the whole. The
2: government has provided more money, $320 million, to family violence and sexual violence in the budget. That's the largest investment ever to try to reduce the level of
9: abuse. It's a package of initiatives rather than just you know, MSD or police's initiative. And what we see in that package is a focus on prevention, so getting in earlier in the cycle. So that wouldn't have happened before if we hadn't seen across the whole in the same way.
2: For decades, Women's Refuge has been the safety net for women and children fleeing abusive relationships. The organisation didn't receive any of that budget funding, but the chief executive of Women's Refuge, Ange Jury, is pleased with the investment, saying it, and the law changes, should make victims safer.
7: Now, there have been a remarkable number of changes over the last year, 18 months, changes in our legislation that should make a difference in terms of particularly victim safety. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced that any of those changes are actually going to change the incidence of family violence because that is a far wider issue than just legislation. So anything that keeps uh, victims, the women and the children in particular, safer, that is fantastic, and the legislation certainly does that.
2: Dr Jury says what does need more work, prevention, hasn't had the focus it needs.
7: I don't believe any of these legislation changes in and of themselves are going to solve our problem. All they do is put a stronger framework around these things, keeps the focus on them. It means that people can't just brush things off. But the... The things that are going to make a difference are the things that we haven't really put a lot of time into yet. Uh, that's things around our prevention work in this country. The legislative changes are going to make a... They're good, but in, in and of themselves they won't create change.
8: Calliope Mingaroo from the UN agrees. Violence against women, intimate partner violence, is such a normalised phenomenon in our society. And the moment we get and analyse the root causes of such violence, we do understand why this still remains so prevalent. Having an analysis is very, very important because that gives also the right responses that need to be in place in order to end violence against women and girls, such as domestic violence.
2: She says countries with the most rigid gender roles are the ones most likely to perpetrate violence – so it's crucial to start the education early. We know
8: that younger boys and girls at very early age, they already formulate already their own uh, um, beliefs and behaviours and practices. So working with children from very early uh, stage, it is very important in order to start changing the social norm.
2: Ange jury agrees and says it's time to expand past basic awareness raising.
7: I think we've moved well past awareness raising. I think you'd have to be a totally isolated hermit living in a cave somewhere for the last 10 years for you to not know that family violence isn't all right, that it's not okay. So we know what family violence is. We look at it, we we know what it looks like, we know what it sounds like. We, by and large, sort of know uh, what to do about it. But when when we're talking about education, uh, I think we need to be investing significantly more in our young people, like our little people, not our young people, not our teenagers, but our little people, so that they can learn not about what domestic and family violence is, but so they can learn how to be in relationship with each other. I don't think we do that very well in New Zealand. We still have, despite all the efforts that have gone in over the years, we still have quite well defined gender roles particularly when it comes to intimate partner girlfriend, boyfriend relationships now you bring that together with the increasing um, availability of porn and the way the media works, particularly social media these days we need to be getting so much more information into our little kids about respect and about caring for each other and You know, all those good things that are supposed to come in relationships, but don't for a great many people.
10: The
2: international lesson is that survivors speaking out about domestic violence is also crucial. Dr Daniela Liguero is the chief executive of an international organisation called Together for Girls. Her organisation works in 20 countries to
10: end violence against girls and boys it takes getting together, organizing, pushing, being loud around these issues. And I think that's what in every country has made a difference, is to say this is no longer acceptable and this shouldn't be treated as a domestic matter. It is a human rights issue, like any other human rights issue. And the justice sector needs to be engaged. But it also means changing norms And and breaking the silence around these issues. You know, I'm, I'm a survivor of sexual violence in childhood. And one of the things I talk a lot about is how important it is to break the silence around that. Because some of these issues are so taboo. And when we don't talk about it, we communicate to others, to our children, to future generations, that we shouldn't talk about it. And that just doesn't, you know, help us progress. We need to break the silence. And wreaking that silence is on all of us, not just on survivors, So that's another important thing to do.
0: So will all this make a difference? Jan Logie hopes so.: It really feels to me as if we're in a moment in time where there's an impatience to get on and turn this around, that we're, there's a lot of people that just, I think, are just deeply frustrated at how entrenched. violence has become and and the human cost of it that we're all surrounded by the sense I get um, is that people are keen to step up and they just want the support to know how to do it effectively
2: so too do the survivors who shared their stories with insight
4: the last thing I want is for my children to be in my position and to be feeling the way that I'm feeling in this relationship. Um, and, and and so the, the turning point for me was, you know, I can build a better life for me and the children, um, but that better life means that I have to leave him. And so that so my children were a big, a big
3: factor. So I think if I'd had education back then that would have been if I'd had education when I first was in an abusive relationship or before I entered into relationships as a young adult, um, I would have seen the red flags then. Um, and we grow up with these fairy tales as, as young girls where um, you meet a guy and um, you get swept off your feet and it's all very romantic and wonderful when the reality is, and this is one of the big things that sticks in my head as a red flag, is... Um, when you enter into a relationship and it's really intense really quickly and they want to move in and they want to be around you all the time, that's not love. That's someone that's, you know, a a red flag. That's a sign of an abusive relationship. And I think if I'd had those tools and had that understanding back when I was a young adult, maybe things would have been different.
5: It's quite deeply ingrained across society in, in general and I think it's going to take a long time but I think having the conversations and talking about it can only be, be positive.
1: That program was written and presented by Kim Griggs. If you'd like to podcast other Insight programs, you can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Insight page on the RNZ website, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Insight investigates New Zealanders and the exploitation of Filipinos, both here and in the Philippines. I'm Philip Tolley, and that's all from Insight for today. Great to have you
10: listening, and do join us again next time.